3: your free job on LinkedIn.com/recommend today.
4: Well, it's another day here on Let's
5: Go There. Yes, 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 and it's another day. I feel like mm-hmm. of uh, understanding the weird things of grief because it's like yeah. grieving someone you don't know. It's just, like, wild. It, it really messes up your brain in multiple ways. Like, when a celebrity dies or someone you've admired dies but you've never, like, met them personally,
6: mm-hmm.
5: it's wild. And I think that's what I'm going through with, like, Andre Leon Talley, which yeah. the world has most definitely had lost something major, lost someone major. And it's one of those things where I'm like, girl, you have never met this person. Why are you so sad? But then also, like... I'm sad. Yeah, well, That's why
4: they call uh, someone like that an icon because they are a hero and they impact a lot of people, even
5: if you've never met him. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he and we're talking about it later in the show yeah. today, but I think he really uh, impacted how I saw myself and mm-hmm. what I could be and uh, what I have been and who I am. And so I, I think um It's just a really, it's a really big sad loss because it's something that you were not expecting. And let me just say, 2022, you're already starting off crappy. Get your crap together. Get it together. Get it together. But, you know, on a higher note, what's coming up on the show? We've got lots of
4: stuff. The senior editor and writer at the Daily Beast is with us to discuss trans legislation in 2022. Uh, hopefully some better news. I thought I said a lighter I know. note. Like <laughs> <laughs> I realized where we were going. And a former sex worker flipped the script on being unwanted for a job by creating their own business. So they're going to be with us at 3:20 p.m. Pacific, 6:20 p.m. Eastern. I mean, sex toys, a sex shop. That's fun, right? Let's get into so much trending this hour. As Ryan mentioned, Andre Leon Talley, who became known across the world as an editor at Vogue magazine, has died. The former editor died Tuesday at a hospital in White Plains, New York, where he had been living, according to TMZ. It was unclear what he was hospitalized for, although there are unconfirmed reports that he had complications with COVID.
5: My thing is also, I wonder, are, like, people just saying COVID because we're in the middle of the pandemic? It's hard to know. Because we just don't yeah. know. And also, like, I mean you got to think about it. People dying in their 70s, that feels very young. It, now is, it feels young. That is not... I, that, for me, was like, wow. He was still in, at the prime of his life. It gets strange the older and older you get. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
4: Travell Anderson is joining us next hour to discuss their relationship with Andre and the importance of their life. Yeah. His life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he, uh, they were involved together with some things, work-wise, interviews, and also... Well, oh, yeah,
5: they've crossed paths. Yeah. So Travell, just like me, they... Um, They are. They really love Andre, and uh, Mm. Andre has also loved them in a way because uh, they mentioned. Well, Andre mentioned Travail, in uh, his memoir, and so yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful what for what he did in this uh, industry. So.
4: Well, as Biden enters his second term of his presidency with the lowest approval ratings of a modern-day president, here he is today reflecting on some of his accomplishments of the past year.
1: It's been a year of challenges, but it's also been a year of enormous progress. We went from 2 million people being vaccinated at the moment I was sworn in to 210 million Americans being fully vaccinated today. We created 6 million new jobs. More jobs in one year than any time before. Unemployment dropped, the unemployment rate dropped to 3.9%. Child poverty dropped by nearly 40%, the biggest drop ever in American history.
4: All those highs and lows of his presidency with The Washington Post at the end of this hour. Now, Starbucks uh, finally is no longer requiring its U.S. workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19, reversing a policy it announced earlier this month. And in response on Twitter, consumers posted hashtag boycott Starbucks. Will you go to Starbucks again after this, Ryan?
5: Um, You know, <laughs> to be honest, I don't really go to Starbucks like that anyway because i they're just too expensive but it you know if i do want to taste for a strawberry refresher it's complicated <laughs> keep your mask on all right it's complicated let's get into some entertainment news what's going on all right so let's talk about this because if you were wondering the status of Anna Wintour and Andre Leon Talley's relationship we got it right here on the t-report it is time for the t-report those pop culture stories trending right now so um if you know anything about their relationship Anna Wintour finally squashed her feud with former uh, close pal Andre Leon Talley in the months before his death according to a source they said I I do know they did make up that their relationship was repaired recently after everything that happened um and yeah they also added that the two were back on this on speaking terms which I mean, if you know and if you read Andre Leon Talley's memoir, you know there was some things that went down and it just was not good. And you thought, oh, this this relationship was just over. Um, but here's a real tea. People were most definitely calling out Vogue and Anna last night when the news broke because it took them forever to post a statement or say anything. Um, but here is a little bit of a statement when Anna did um, actually release something through Vogue. Um, they finally posted something, I believe, earlier this morning. And uh, it said, this he was magnificent and erudite and wickedly funny um, like many decades-long relationships, there were complicated moments, but all I want to remember today, all I care about, is the brilliant and compassionate man who was a generous and loving friend to me and to my family for many, many years, and who we all will miss so much. And also, according to the fashion source, they said this is a very hard loss for Anna. It's insane to read some of the comments about uh, comments online lambasting her over Andre. It's so cruel. I mean, and in my opinion, they're warranted and. I I'm on Andre's side just because I'm also biased but also because I know the team. <laughs> okay. And so, um, yeah, I think um, it, it is a sad loss. At the end of the day, no matter friendships, they can go through highs and lows, but guess what? Oh. They're still family. Oh my God. And I you think know that's really it. I'm just
4: like, you never know when someone could be gone. What? Are you about to cry? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be, just remember, say I love you to the people. Don't,
5: you know, be angry, but no, they, they can be gone the next day. It's very true. We got more coming up later this hour. I got more tea report. Ooh. Let's okay. get yours
4: well, <laughs> after <laughs> this. 2022 begins where 2021 left off when it comes to anti-trans bills. The Daily Beast joins us for that next. 2022 is seeing more anti-trans bills being introduced in Republican-controlled state legislators that would prohibit health care for trans minors and criminalize any health care practitioners who provide it. Uh, Joining us right now is Tim Tiemann, senior editor and writer at The Daily Beast. Thanks for joining us.
6: Hi, good afternoon.
4: Well, good afternoon. It's really unfortunate as this continues. Are we seeing a change in 2022 compared to previous years?
6: No, it's... uh... (laughs) just looking back at last year it began sort of similarly and the bills will the bills in state legislatures as you say they're all republican controlled legislatures uh snowballed as time went on so we're beginning at a pretty high point in just in terms of a number of anti-lgbtq and anti-trans specifically bills um and the expectation is just as last year in 2021 the number of bills being proposed or discussed in republican controlled state legislatures will rise as the year as the year goes on but we're already at as you can see by the article I wrote in the Daily Beast, at, at, at a pretty extreme high point, even at the beginning of the year.
5: Yeah, we most definitely are. Can you elaborate on some of what are those, like these bills are that are being uh, introduced right now?
6: Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, in terms of um, the health care bills, in terms of the anti-trans bills, I should say, most are focused on trans youth, trans minors. And there are two main areas that these bills focus on. One is access to health care. Um, and the other area is access to playing sports at Mm -hmm. school. Um, So they're both quite hot-button right-wing topics, and I'm sure if your listeners have been looking online or looking in their local newspapers or national newspapers, they will have seen certain flashpoint stories around both topics, but particularly playing sports. And so the bills, um, in essence, seek to restrict, or or in some cases outright ban, um, access to Healthcare for trans minors, such as the provision of uh, puberty blockers and medications like that, which are widely recognized by all leading, med- all leading American medical associations as necessary and good for, for kids. Um, they seek to ban sort of treatment provision, but they also seek, interestingly, to criminalize um, uh, doctors, medical providers mm-hmm. from providing that. So if it, it's not just saying that you trans kid can't have access to healthcare it's also saying you healthcare provider will prosecute you too if we find out that you've been doing it um and when it comes to um sports it's literally just saying that if you define yourself as trans you will not play on the your chosen gendered team sport so it it basically says all the bills the phrase that often recurs as i say in my article is You know, the genetic sex at birth, that is what all the states recognize as the legitimate gender of all the children involved. It's essentially saying that trans kids don't exist, if you like.
4: Yeah, it's horrendous as we have to continue reporting this, obviously. In doing this report, did any of these lawmakers have a response as to why they're doing this?
6: That's a very interesting question. I I, I sort of, as I was going through all the bills um, late last week, I thought, well, we you know, I want to hear from the lawmakers to see what they have to say about wanting to introduce the bills, because clearly when people introduce bills such as these on such uh, controversial topics, one would think they come from a, a, a at least a keenly felt place or a committed place that people would want to argue. Well, none of them got back to me except one except one lawmaker, as I quote in the piece. And even that lawmaker said, I, it was just one line, and it said, um, no kids should make this decision until they're 18 and that was it and so then i went back and said well could you elaborate yeah. what health care do you think that trans kids should have or um and i, I crickets mm-hmm. nothing at all in response the interesting thing when you look at the bills i think the interesting thing that recurs to me not just in the substance of the bills in the words but the theme of the bills we often think that people who go after trans people are, are just are sort of bigoted against them as people and what you see in the bills over and over again is not just saying you're not trans like we do not we do not believe that you are this thing that you say you are so that's one level of it mm. and then the other level is we will not give you any space to exist yeah. so we're going to deny we're sort of going to deny you your identity, but we're also going to deny you any sense of social space or any sense of inclusion around us. Yeah. Well and it, what, what it kept striking me over and over again, just writing it, like, where and what do these lawmakers expect sort of trans people to exist if if not to exist in some sense? And <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's very pernicious. It's not just saying we don't agree with you or we don't like you because you're trans. It's like, you do not have a right to take a place in any space around us yeah. it's very very it's it's all encompassing in terms of a negation of somebody's identity
5: yeah and you're if you're just now joining us we're talking to tim uh T-man from the daily beast and i think a good place to wrap this up is i, I really want to know what are advocates saying especially moving forward
6: absolutely well advocates are saying to anybody living in the states concerned and they republican controlled states across america to please get in touch with lawmakers And senators and supporters of trans people, um, local trans organizations on the ground or the ACLU nationally who are fighting these cases to um, offer support and to, you know, offer advocacy. Because as um, the ACLU said in the piece, you know, the right wing are incredibly motivated around these issues and incredibly energized, particularly in a midterm election year here in America And so the need for support for trans people who feel very much under attack at the moment, particularly young trans people who have a focus of these bills, they need that support. And believe me, these bills do not just stop at trans people, as I make make clear in the article. The level of anti-LGBTQ animus, whether it's in terms of religious freedom or trying to control what people learn about in schools about LGBTQ people and trans people, it's all being tabled in Republican-controlled state legislatures. The the theme of just a general attack on LGBTQ equality is total, and mm-hmm. people people feel that it arises obviously from that landmark marriage equality win of six or seven years ago, and ever since then the right wing have been furiously thrashing their tail to seek to undermine that and that 's what they're doing in state legislatures they're seeking to undermine the principle of equality in you know the principle at the moment is of a thousand different paper cuts, and of course this could lead to bigger legislation. Um, federally, obviously, down the track should, you know, another right-leaning Republican administration come into play. Trump's administration sought to ban trans people from the armed forces, you remember? Yep. Who knows what's coming down the track? So LGBTQ rights are very much up in the air, and particularly without the Equality Act, that federal act that the Biden administration have promised but so far has no traction in the Senate, that act which would protect LGBTQ people, trans people, federally, is... Sort of hovering and going nowhere at the moment, so that overall level of federal protection isn't there right now. So at the moment, it's state by state, and these fights are going to be going on all year.
4: Yeah, it's unfortunate, and thank you for this great lay of the land. It was really great having you on. Uh, that was Tim Teeman, senior editor, writer at The Daily Beast. Hope to have you back. Appreciate it.
6: Thank you so much. Have a lovely afternoon.
4: You too. Next up, we reflect on Biden's presidency in year two which is where we're at and where the administration goes from here, because they're not in a good place. That's next with the Washington post.
3: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
5: As Biden enters year two of his presidency, many are wondering, where does the administration go now? Joining us for this conversation is Amber Phillips, political reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us. What's up, Amber? Hey, thanks for having me. You know, we love to have you on, especially when we're talking about all things politics. (laughs) But let's get into this, because, you know, with Biden's popularity declining every day, it seems. Why do you think we've even gotten here at this point?
7: Yeah, I think that's a smart question, and we're still in it, right? So I feel like maybe a year from now, things will crystallize a little bit better. But it seems like he has struggled with a number of massive issues that affect Americans' everyday lives. The pandemic is not over. Uh, We're not back to normal. And and that was his main campaign promise, was I'm just going to handle things more competently than President Trump. And then in addition to that, polls show that americans are really worried their top issue is the economy and the inflation and they don't think biden is doing enough to try to quell that uh the frustrating thing for president biden is like a lot of this is out of his control you know there have been healthcare experts who say he should have planned better for the omicron variant he should have gotten testing in all of our hands before that happened but you can't control the virus and you can't control inflation. That's not a lot of president can do about it. Um, but let me add one more thing. And I think well, I was looking at the poll numbers today on him all year and, and you see that things really took a precipitous drop in August and what happened in August? Mm. Well, he pulled out of Afghanistan and there were these really difficult yeah. images. Right. Exactly. And, and after that it felt like Republicans and Democrats have told me it just punctured this, veneer that he had campaigned on, which is, I'm the competent president, things are going to be less crazy under me. And after that, it feels like everything else that happened dented him almost more um, because people were so shaken by what happened in Afghanistan and how that translated to Biden's promise of being competent.
4: Yeah, I mean, but to say the, the lowest popularity rating among any president of all time, one of the lowest, is that even fair? (laughs) considering, yeah, where we are in the world and the current state of affairs? I think that's a great question. Let's
7: put things in perspective. Um, Presidents these days tend to have around a forty low 40 percent approval rating, give or take a few. President Trump was lower around this time. President Barack Obama was a little bit higher. But the reality is the country is split 50 uh, 50. And if you're a Republican, you're going to give a Democrat a negative approval rating and vice versa. And then there's this like tiny handful of independents who are persuadable. And right now, for all the reasons I described, yeah, they're leaning toward disapproving of Biden. But I, I think you're right. It's not fair to say like, whoa, worst approval rating ever. Therefore, worst president first of his first year ever. that that That's not the case.
5: Yeah, and if you're just now joining us, we're talking to Amber Phillips, who is a political reporter at The Washington Post. And Amber, it just seems like, which I was really shocked about this, because according to his, uh, historians who keep track of this, a year into his presidencies, this is only like his second uh, news conference today on U.S. soil and his sixth overall. So it doesn't really seem like he's talking to the press or getting his message out to the American people in the ways that we've seen in the past. Do you think that's really hurt his messaging at
7: this point it's tough to say there are democrats in congress who will tell you yes they say why is he not out there talking as much as possible about what he got done you know he passed two major pieces of legislation coronavirus relief that sent checks to most american families monthly for a while and and an infrastructure bill that presidents before him have tried and failed to do uh, why is he not out there talking about it and then, But Biden is actually, in this news conference today, defending himself, saying, he said, listen, after the Affordable Care Act, after Obamacare got passed in 2010, I told the president, go take a victory lap. And he told me, I don't have any time. It's too much to do. And so Biden says, I took a lesson from that, and I'm taking a victory lap. I'm telling you about all the good things I've done, and I, I continue to do it. And I'm out there every day telling people to get vaccinated. And look how many people have gotten vaccinated So people in his camp think he's communicating well. um, But I think you're right to point out that the stats don't show that he's communicating
4: a lot in ways that at least draw the nation's attention to what he's saying. Yeah. So with that said, what should the administration be focused on moving forward?
7: The economy and inflation. (laughs) And you hear (laughs) Biden acknowledge that today. Unfortunately for him, there's not a lot he can do. You know, he basically said, "Okay, I understand costs are high you know, listen, your grocery shelf stores are not as empty as you might see on social media. He threw out some stats about that. Um, Here's what I'm going to do about it. I have a plan. And then he delved into the Federal Reserve and people he was going to nominate. Um, And and I think that, you know, indirect answer of how he's going to deal with inflation underscores that there's not a lot he can do. There's not a lot any president, no matter who's president, can do to control the levers of the economy, especially in such a globalized economy and such a really spooky time for the yes. economy. The pandemic is changing in ways we don't understand.
5: Well, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. We really appreciate you. Once again, this was Amber Phillips, political reporter at Washington Post. And you can keep up with Amber. Just follow on social at By Amber Phillips. So thank you so much for joining us.
7: Oh, y'all yeah, such great questions. Thanks
5: for having me. Well, coming up next, why bars and restaurants are calling out dry January. We're going there up next. It's dry January. We're
4: still in it, folks. And we actually spoke about this earlier this month. But are our attempts at sobriety proving to be detrimental to businesses? You know, there's always another side to trying to be a good person or good to yourself.
5: <laughs> no, of course there is. But I, I I, guess I'm not even looking at it in the frame of that because I think we all know that dry January, there's benefits, right? Like, oh, yeah. no one's questioning that. But I think do this, like, unfortunate kind of, like, toxic positivity, toxic self-help kind of uh, industry that has really like boomed uh, from being online, being in media, from what we see on our daily basis that make us want to partake in like these quick little fads. And lists. I know overall Dry Januarys can be very helpful for people who are dealing with addictions and dealing with the issue, but I do think yeah. it is a product of like a culture that can be very detrimental in, in the overall scheme of things and we just don't think about how we just got out of a pandemic and businesses were closing left and right and it's. it's. It's not fair that these businesses are kind of like having a really hard time because of like this fad that a lot of people are actually doing. So here's the thing.
4: I I see your side and I think it's great. Yeah, if you want to be sober, whether it be forever or for a moment, good on you. And I think this is just part of life and trends like behaviors as humans change over time. We're not going to always do the same things we always did. And so it is unfortunate that this is impacting businesses. And what I would say to those businesses, because this was reported in the New York Post that a lot of the bars are seeing less people coming there in January, is like, well, it's going to force you to probably have to change things up or innovate. Like, if you see this as a new trend every January, you're going to see it coming a year away, right? You know it's coming up. So what are you going to do? Right? Like, I don't know what that is.
5: But are are you more so willing to say that because of the, I guess, the... You 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 understand more so the negative effects that alcohol have. Like, is it really fair, like, that people that actually like have like businesses and like? Well, what they're are we doing... supposed to do? Well, I mean, I just I think I feel like is your perspective coming from more of the like? Is it really coming from understanding like, yeah, these people, they, these are these their businesses, like this is their livelihood. Of course, but like, here's the thing. Is nothing
4: ever stays the same, right? Like that's the nature of anything, including small business. Bars
5: always will stay the same. What? Mar- bars are the Mars. same. Bars. I oh, said it is Mars will always bars stay are the, same. the same.
4: Yeah, but like there might not be a need for as many, right? Like, the, I mean, you know, in COVID, we were obviously ordering everything, and everything shut down. Alcohol use in, increased. Like a lot of those brands got more money, right? But the bars yeah, like the weren't. Stores. So. There are changes in our consumer behavioral habits. This is like the nature of the beast of just living on this earth and then like building a business around people's behaviors. So like while you can see models that are the same and consistent, you have to see things changing and adapt.
5: But I also don't think it's a business's responsibility to
4: necessarily really worry about. It is. That's part of looking at the viability of a business. I mean, yeah, that's true. I I, I guess I
5: agree with that. But But so it sucks? I I, I do think though. So when you when you're thinking about bars and also when it comes to like queer spaces well, that, and like safe spaces, like that's I mean, but this that's a part of this conversation. You can't separate the two. I think you're just looking at it from a perspective of people who go there and drink like well, too so. Much what are and we like supposed to do? Say, but there's actual benefits to these spaces as well. Here's the thing:
4: I would say then, even and I was going to say okay, then provide food or other things. But the bars reality is, food. but the reality is, most people, most I mean, restaurants make money from alcohol. And that's yeah. also a nature of that industry. Like, why is it that you could only sustain and build a business if you sell alcohol? This is that's crazy. You should oh. be able to prop be a profitable business without like throwing drinks down people's throats.
5: Yeah, but also the responsibility yeah. also still relies on the people who are drinking and consuming. And if they realize that they have an issue, then they have to take their steps. But like, you know, just I'm just not- do
4: overpriced lemonade or something. <laughs> Twenty dollar lemonade.
5: <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting.
4: Or start, you know, uh, soon, shrooms or psilocybin will be legal, or cannabis. Maybe that's a new way to get money at your bars.
5: What? You're we're literally talking about addiction, and you're bringing up. drugs. I'm just saying,
4: if you're going to go sober <laughs> drinking,
5: no. But I'm saying maybe this restaurants... sober drinking, but don't be sober with your drug usage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was good ones by Charlie XCX. But guess what? Whose birthday it is? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking about queens But this queen right here, Miss Dolly Parton Shout out to you, sweetheart Yeah, she turns 76 today Honestly, and doesn't look a day over 25 that is true. No, it's actually really Including true. Including her greatest so features. I mean, seriously, <laughs> the way she keeps herself so snatched. It's really? so, like it's just wild. Like Goals. I always just marvel at and but also like 76 is still very young. I know. Like she's probably gonna live to like she's like 95. I hope she does
4: uh, a Betty White. Like die in ninety five? No, a hundred like over a hundred.
5: <laughs> <almost>. oh.
6: <Yeah. laughs>
4: Happy
5: birthday, Dolly Parton.
4: (laughs) Okay, well, uh, a a lot going on this hour. Who is Andre Leon Talley? We're going to be looking back at the life of the iconic fashion journalist with Travell Anderson in 30 minutes. I'm so proud of you. You said Leon right. Sometimes the Canadian
5: accent jumps out.
4: uh, what is it? Léon.
5: Léon. Léon. Yeah. I thought there was an y No, aigu. I mean, he spoke French. He was very fluent in French. <laughs> he would probably but say, oh, Ian. it is Léon. Yeah, he's very fabulous. Exactly. So he would add the accents and no. stuff, but yeah.
4: Plus, can marijuana really stop you from getting COVID? We're breaking that down at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. A Texas law barring transgender students in public schools from competing on the sports teams aligned with their gender identity came into effect Tuesday. It was one of the dozens of bills targeting trans youth that swept through state legislators across the country in 2021. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a far-right anti-LGBTQ plus Republican, quietly signed the bill into law in October. LGBTQ rights ad- advocates and activists have continued to obviously condemn the bill. Now Don Lemon was a guest on CNN's New day where he reflected on Martin Luther King Jr. Day amidst our current political landscape
1: inevitably you get the politicians especially the ones in Washington now who are blocking the you know the people's access to the voting booth and they want to use Dr. King conveniently they're the biggest hypocrites on the planet because if, if cinema and mansion really want to honor the legacy of dr. King and all of the people who fought for civil rights and voting rights in this country what they would do is do a carve out for voting rights with the the filibuster. That's what they would do, but for some reason, they are mired in tradition, and they are stuck with these rules that are backwards.
4: And finally, the price of orange juice is surging during the worst orange shortage since World War II. Watch out, you might not be able to get your orange juice the U.S. Department of Agriculture said this year's crop will produce a smaller yield for the second year in a row. Are you an orange juice person with pulp or without pulp? I'm only a fresh orange juice person. Oh, I cannot do disgusting. any. No, it's too sweet. It's filled with sugar. Disgu- y'all like pulping your stuff? No, I just like fresh orange juice. That means you like pulping
5: your stuff. Natural, fresh orange juice. No, wow. There's two types of people in this world. Pulp and no pulp. And I'm just saying, people that like pulp... Well, the thing is, famous. it's not like regular orange
4: juice doesn't necessarily have pulp when you filter yes, it. Yes, it does. No, it, it does Like, I need to bring, we're going to do an orange juice taste test. I mean, <laughs> we, we talked about yesterday, a Broth tails. But most of the orange course, juice, broth juice orange is juice.
5: not filtered in that way, like to keep all the, the extra. Group. Yeah, you people can like you just that. do a but people, filter. I'm just saying, but most of the times it's not like that. Okay, okay Ryan, like so what's either. the difference
8: between Tang and or, reg, a non-pulped orange juice?
5: I just don't, I just don't like the surprise Do in you like, all right, I have a question. Like, there's just some things that I don't like in my mouth and it's pulp. Like that. That extra little thing. Yeah. But what if you got fresh orange juice
4: without pulp? There's other... I is mean, it's orange juice then. No, there's a difference between... Do you know when you taste... Can you taste the difference between orange juice from like grocery stores like Tropicana and fresh? First
5: of all, who's drinking Tropicana? My three-year-old in daycare? <laughs> like, what is that? Who's my go-to? Okay, what's what <laughs> your choice
8: of orange juice,
5: Donald what's Duck? That? No, no, like what's, the, like, what's the regular one that comes in, like, the cute little bottle and uh, the green top? Simply,
8: <laughs> simply
5: orange. Yeah, oh, yeah, what a, yeah. That's, that's, that's orange juice. Yeah, top I mean, it's that's good the same thing, thing. But I feel. Tropicana, I feel like it's for third graders.
4: It's the same as probably Simply. Orange. <laughs> Let's be clear. They're all from the same place <laughs> with different labels. Okay. Uh, anyway, so good luck out there if you're an OJ lover. I would just. Pick some oranges and make your own orange juice. With no pulp. <laughs> that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news?
5: Yo, Cardi B is giving back to the Bronx in a very big way. It's time for the T Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. I bet Cardi B doesn't like pulp. Um, the rapper will... <laughs> oh, she likes her pulp. <laughs> the rapper will be um, partnering with New York City Mayor uh, Eric Adams in the mayor's fund to advance New York City to cover the burial costs of those lost in the Bronx fire, which killed 90 19 people. Now, Cardi is a Bronx native. She is vowing to cover the expenses of the funerals to ease any financial burden faced by the families, according to the Wednesday announcement by the mayor's office. Um, uh, Here is what Eric Adams said. He said, The resilience of the city reflects everyday New Yorkers who never turn their back on one another. We are grateful for Cardi B, a real superstar on and off the mic, for granting some critical financial relief to families of the victims. Here's what Cardi B had to say. She says, I hope that not having to worry about about the costs associated with burying their loved ones will help as they move forward and heal. She says, I send my prayers, condolences to everyone affected by this horrific tragedy. I mean, it really is a tragedy, and not yeah. even gonna lie to you, I have been like... Because of this story, I have been really like freaked freaked out about my own apartment because I kind of mm. live in an older apartment building, yeah. and I'm just like, you just never know what could happen because a fire breaks out. You know, that's what caused this building where the doors were. That's scary. It was all these things. Yeah, and you're stuck. Also, yeah. carbon monoxide. That is right. Isn't that the one where that is yeah. the freakiest thing because you wouldn't know. You would not know. People were in their homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a really sad story, but Cardi B is trying to make it better. We love to see it, and shout out to her. That is your team report
4: Well, next up, how a former sex worker flipped the script on being unwanted for a job by creating their own business. Amy Boijian joins us to share their story next.
2: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
4: After working as a sex worker, Amy Boyajan had a hard time getting a job, so they decided to take matters into their own hands, starting Wildflower Sex Store. They join us now. Thanks, Amy, for being here.
9: I'm so happy to be with you. How are you doing today?
4: We are just great. And this is just, uh, you know, such a, a fun story to co- cover and inspiring as well. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Again. So we're about to pick your brain, too. Definitely. So get into it.
9: <laughs> I am ready to get into it.
4: <laughs> well, after leaving the industry, in a way, as a sex worker, what inspired you to somewhat stay in it?
9: You know, I felt that sex work, while well, it wasn't really working out with me, you know, continuing being a dominatrix. It's a really rewarding area. I mean, sexuality, we're all affected by it. Most of us have sex. Most of us, you know, are affected by sexuality in our culture. And I found it really, really interesting. And I just wanted a different avenue to explore other than working as a sex worker directly. And that's why I opened the store.
5: Well, then how did your experience as a sex worker inform starting your own company?
9: Well... When I first got into doing sex work, it was more like a survival thing, like a way to make money. And then I actually started paying attention to what I was doing as a job and really noticing that a lot of people had like sexual shame. A lot of people didn't really know how to talk about sex or talk about their bodies or even know how their bodies work. And so I felt like, oh, I you know, I'm learning so much about how people feel about sexuality and I have all this knowledge, I think I can bring it to a store where people can buy stuff that brings them pleasure, makes them feel good, while also giving them all this education that they're missing out on.
4: Definitely. I'm on your Instagram, 127,000 followers. I mean, I'm I'm (laughs) a new follower, by the way. And you have a lot of interesting stuff, colorful. Tell us more about the store in general? Like Wildflower Sex, what can people find? What's different about this sex shop?
9: So when we first started it, the first thing that I was really adamant about having is that we don't have any sections that are related to gender. So I'm non-binary. And so if there's a male section or a female section, I don't really know which one to click on, right? Mm -hmm. And so it felt like we were gendering sex toys when they're, you know, inappropriate to gender sex toys, because that excludes a lot of folks, especially trans and non-binary folks. But it's also kind of confusing, right? Like a dildo can be for a guy or it can be for a girl. It doesn't need to be gendered. Um, we also, you know, I think a lot of times people get intimidated by sex toys. So we wanted to make sure that everything was bright and colorful and fun. Instead of being these intimidating kind of scary things, it was actually something that felt, you know, exciting to use and also look good, you know? If you're going to be using them on the most intimate parts of your body, if you want them to have some cool designs and have some nice colors and really be something that you are excited to invest
4: in. Definitely, and that's true when you go check out their site and their Instagram. Oh, honey, How I'm already I-
5: eyeing a couple things.
4: I know, right? <laughs>
5: uh, again,
4: we're talking to Amy Boyajan, the CEO of Wildflower.
5: So I think... W- you know, what's really important about this and and your work, it's so intersectional and I, I would love to know, what would your hopes be when it comes to society's perception of sex work and just the sex industry altogether?
9: Well, I think a lot of people get these really negative idea of sex workers, mainly because of the media. And let's be real, a lot of those roles were created or written by folks that weren't sex workers, right? So it's kind of seen as this like, kind of career that people go in when they're either really, really struggling or there's something kind of morally corrupt about the person that wants to do that. But what I really wanted to bring to it is that sex workers have so many skills. They're helping people in so many different ways. Like when you're a sex worker, you're your own photographer, your own marketing department, your own HR department, like you know it all. So all of these skills, I was able to bring into, you know, adapting to running a store, and so I really wanted to show that uh, sex workers can be this integral part of the sexual wellness community. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like, you know, sex workers over in on one end, and you know, uh, dildo and vibrator creators over here. It can really be this whole idea of bringing wellness from all these different angles.
4: Yeah, I love the idea of sexual wellness and sexual health as it relates to our holistic mental health. Uh, so, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. And whenever you want to do, you know, a giveaway or promote one of. Your products, let us okay, know. Okay,
5: Shira, please <laughs> just ask for free things oh, if you yes, want free no, things. No, right. oh, I should support there you a business, go. If actually. If we want to do
4: free samples, we oh. can do that, too. Okay. <laughs> We're going to buy everything. Yeah, we will. We're going we to buy it. You deserve
5: for us to buy things.
4: <laughs> well, that was uh, Amy Boyajan, CEO of Wildflower. Go check them at, out on Instagram at Wildflower Sex. Thank you again.
5: Thank you. Well, coming up, people around the world have been paying tribute to Andre Leon Talley, but how should we really remember his legacy? That's coming up next. As the world reflects, and when I say the world, I am most definitely including myself, on the loss of the major fashion giant Andre Leon Talley, journalist and friend of the show Trevel Anderson is joining us to now reflect on Andre's legacy. Thank you so much for being here, friend.
10: Thank y'all for having me.
5: Okay, so you already know this is going to be an intense conversation uh, for for us. But talk a little bit about your connection to Andre and what about him inspired
10: you? Yeah, well, Andre Leon Talley was one of my first possibility models, Mm -hmm. by which I mean he wasn't just like a role model based on the work that he was doing as a journalist, as a fashion journalist, and the way that he was doing it. He kind of helped me cue in that I could, too, you know, be a journalist in my own unique and special mm-hmm. way. Um, and I, I, one of the things I love about his story is that he was, you know, born the grandchild of a sharecropper in, set, in the segregated South, raised by his grandmother. And he grew up, clawed his way to the top of the fashion industry to become one of the most powerful Black people in the industry at one point in time. Yeah. It truly, to me is a remarkable story no
5: seriously i i mean yeah. andre Talley was the reason why i was even interested in fashion i mean seeing an another like fat black person just existing and existing in such a level of excellence was just mind-boggling to me it it and also like being in that industry and and going through the things that i even went through personally and just understanding being like andre was the only literally the only one in these white spaces and and just just i don't know like just handled it with such grace and became the person that he he was to this day it's it was so powerful and it meant so much especially to me just in that way so i totally agree on the possibility model of it all as well because for sure that is the same thing that i felt
10: yeah, and he's someone whose impact—I'm I'm not sure a lot of people know his name. If you didn't watch America's Next Top Model back in the that's day— That's, I think, how I don't. originally
4: discovered yeah. him, too. Like, I would
10: watch that. and, I, and So, yes, thank you. Yes, I mean, that's, that's, that was my introduction to Andra Leon Talley as well, was America's Next Top Model— and then I did all of the extra research to figure out his true impact. But, you know, if you like the way the Obamas were dressed, mm-hmm. he influenced that. Yeah. If you like, you know, um, the way some of your favorite celebrities wow. look like on red carpets, he influenced that. He changed the way that fashion shows are done. Yeah. His impact really is and I think a lot of people think about or give him credit for.
4: And how did you end up in his biography?
10: Oh, well, yes. What a moment, right? Um, I, I was working, I was working at the Los Angeles Times back in 2017 when his documentary, The Gospel According to Andre, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. And I had the opportunity to interview him. Um, and, you know, he was struck by that moment enough in the same ways that I was to include it in his biography as an example of someone who could, you know, in his eyes, get to a certain level in their career by just being themselves. It was mm-hmm. it was truly an honor for me.
5: I just got chills by the way when you just said that. It was one of the, if you want to check out a clip, please head over to travail's Instagram because it's one of those clips that just take your breath away and I'm so jealous mm-hmm. of the fact that you got to just be in in, in space uh, with him, but I also love that your writings of of him also <laughs> included uh, his kind of complicated history when it pertains mm-hmm. to accountability. Can you kind of elaborate on the importance of how highlighting that?
10: Yeah, well, you know, I think all of the people who we look up to, who we consider our role models or possibility models, they're complex individuals. And Andre Leon Talley was no different. A lot of people have critiques feeling that he did not do enough to bring black folks, in particular, black fashion journalists, you know, behind him. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. Um, But at the same time, I can also say that if he did not even just exist, I'm not sure that I would exist as a journalist. And so for me, the, the, the representation, the existence alone is enough. But I also recognize how he definitely could have done more um, in his time, even though he did a lot already. It's also
4: important to know... and. Even in one of our teases originally, we said, oh, LGBTQs, but, but while he was very iconic for the community, he never actually came out of I the I want closet. to be very clear, I knew that
5: history. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I want to be very clear. Our, yeah, as a yeah, fan, yeah, I course. knew that he did not identify but as queer or gay.
4: Can we discuss that conflict that perhaps he had with identifying mm-hmm. um, with the LGBTQ community?
10: Yeah, I think, you know, I've seen, I think the New York Times a bit originally had him listed as as gay, but he never actually used any of that language to identify himself in spite of like knowing the ways that we as queer people lift him up. Mm -hmm. Andre was one of those people who gave his entire life to his career. And so he just did not have much time or interest in a partner. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those examples in terms of like, he gave so much to an industry that ultimately, you know, paid him dust at the end. And in result, he wasn't able to develop any meaningful, loving relationship with yeah. folks outside of his friends. Um, it's, it's kind of sad, I think, and would be an appropriate descriptor to use, but it also is life.
5: Yeah, and I also think there's even more layers to it because Andre Andre not only grew up in, in, the, in the Black South, he, he was so close to church, and I feel like if you watch his documentaries, and there's some things that where he talks about he's had gay experiences, but he never really even liked to attach himself to that, to that label, and I think that really talks to and, and, and goes back to how Black folks from a certain generation generation still felt very guarded around you know fully being accepted in those spaces as their true selves right and I I, there was so much when I was watching uh, his documentary last night again uh, that really came up for me even some of his own internalized you know fat phobia that he was kind of feeling and how he was navigating through those spaces and it's just it's just so wonderful to kind of see and re-examine his life through just a lens of just comparing it to my own and and our own you know
10: yeah I mean I think It's important for us to remember that, you know, he grew up in the 50s, 60s. He was activated in the industry in the 80s, 90s. You know, our elders have different relationships to these identity markers than we have. Um, And so he was someone who, even even in his Blackness, right, Mm -hmm. his relationship to his Blackness, even though that perspective, that Black church perspective undergird, his uh, undergirded, his understanding and his look outlook on fashion, he didn't really, he wasn't like, in his words, he wasn't waving a flag or a bullhorn Period. in terms of his blackness, <laughs> yeah. right? He, those are his words. He yeah. was just trying to be excellent, just trying to show his smarts, and he thought that that was the best way for him to kind of advocate for other black folks who might come behind him.
5: Yeah, and he loved
10: Truman Capote, too,
5: which is— Oh, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just—thank it's, you so much for, for joining us for this important conversation. It, we've already kind of mentioned some things, but if, if more people want to find out about him and his work, what are your recommendations?
10: Yeah, well, so the documentary, The Gospel According to Andre, is on HBO Max. And then I would suggest his book, The Chiffon Trenches, which came out in 2020
5: beautiful all right I Anderson thank you so much for being back on the show you know how much we love you
10: thank y'all y'all have a good one you too all right what's coming up
5: next year
4: well we're getting into how one woman risked it all for an all you can eat buffet the results next mm.
5: You know, there's a reason why I just do not enjoy buffets and I'm, I'm pretty sure Danielle Shapiro will also agree now. <laughs> so this lady uh, wanted to get her money's worth at a $50 all-you-can-eat sushi buffet at a restaurant in Mountain View, California. And girl, when I tell you she ate so much sushi, she almost blew up, literally. <laughs> She basically shared this experience in a TikTok um, in which she shows off the mountains of food she consumed in one sitting and the, I mean, the horrible trip to the hospital that left her with an IV in her arm. Honestly, Justin, is there anything like on an all-you-can-eat buffet that will have you in
8: this position? Um, I actually have a bad experience from going to a buffet one time in Vegas. It was one of those off-strip, you know, buffets that had kind of grayish meat and I actually and okay. partaked in it. And, and you didn't
5: think that was a no?
8: Oh, I, I should have learned my lesson. Um, my, my family just always wrecks me for it because <laughs> you're the guy that turned <laughs> t- didn't turn down like grayish purple meat. Congratulations. Yeah, oh, that's know. a new low that's for you, cruel. Justin. It
5: was. I, I think it you was. should never tell that story again. What about you? Do you like buffets? I'm the
4: person that I love a good salad buffet. Mm-hmm. However, I also know yeah. that's where you could find the most sketchy stuff. most E. coli, like ever. that's the thing in New York. <laughs> I am one of those that. I love going to those shops that have the buffets in New York. You know, all the little really? stores, corner stores. And I know it's probably gross and all that, but I love the fact that I can choose, like, everything and anything.
5: So I must be the only one smart in the room because I am a person that hates buffets. I've always hated buffets ever since I was young. There's something really gross about them. Sharing the food, people are, like, you even over, like, when oh. they're picking, they're putting food on their plate, they're, like, coughing and things. Like, I just feel oh. like, At as Whole Foods, you cough. As I,
4: uh, yeah. At Whole Foods, I <laughs> was the one, gross. I'll admit, where I would put stuff in my bowl and then eat from with my finger from the bowl when I was really hungry. Are you kidding
5: me? <laughs>
8: Terrible, but this Sorry. is different.
5: I mean, if you have you been doing all you can eat sushi joint? Ryan? No, first of all, I, that's a, that's the last place because uh-huh. I remember 911, a great show on uh, on Fox. Oh. They had an episode where a guy he was just eating a ton of sushi and literally he had to call the ambulance because there was a tapeworm that was growing inside his body. He could feel it and they had to eject it from his a hole. Wow. wow! That is pretty traumatic. And so that tra- traumatized me to never to you gotta you can't eat sushi in large amounts. I mean, she had thirty two sushi rolls in one How sitting. How's that
4: even possible? I mean, there ain't enough California rolls that
5: I ever want to eat.
4: And that's a lot. I mean, I I know the hot dog competition. Like, have you seen how they eat those things as whole strategy and everything? It's n-
5: disgusting. I was just talking about that with a friend too. I can't watch people eat because there's something really gross about watching people consume. The food. hot
4: dog competition is. One I of those will things. literally
5: start dry heaving and then throwing up everywhere.
8: It's funny that you guys mentioned the hot dog eating competition. It's one of my. Favorite things of the year, and it's not for the eating competition. Are you for real?
5: It's not for the eating competition at all.
8: It's for the MC who announces these guys. He is the greatest MC on earth. (laughs) I mean, he literally builds them up in no way, shape, or fashion. He is the greatest speaker ever on a microphone. And When we get to the Fourth of July, I will show you guys (laughs) the magic of this man.
4: You know what? I'm impressed by uh, those people specifically, and not to like bring up body and all that, but there are these. Tiny, like I met a woman uh-huh. who was on my show way back, tiny. And is one of the it top inhaling. people. Inhaling. And like, where does it go? It doesn't. You no, know, what happens is they get like, uh, like their stomach gets all
5: out there. There's probably an enema waiting right next door. I'm like, like, what to, is that
4: like for them? To yeah, just go what next is that like to the and get side. it All out. Do we have the TikTok video?
5: No. It, 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 all, all it was is you know, a, oh yeah, a voice saying you know I ate 32 rolls and it's not my yeah. no voice. We went through all the good stuff. And so, I mean, at this point, I just I think you should everyone should use this as a warning to stop eating at buffet. We're in the middle of a pandemic. The buffets are the last places you should probably be.
8: But this isn't all-you-can-eat sushi place where they make the, su- no. make the roll for you no. and it comes out there, to your table. should no. there no one be, else like, touches. a no.
4: rule? I've been to one, and they did say at a certain point you end like you can't continue but i guess oh unless uh, you if you do eat it if you do eat it all you can't leave any that's correct. what it yeah, is yeah it's not like you can't you can't take a to go to-go box
8: and fine. there is a time limit like an hour and a half
5: so you can't eat really? all day yeah wow justin what other rules do you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm very well versed <laughs>
4: That was some Kim Petras.
5: Future starts now here on Channel Q. Yep, yep. And uh, I know she has new music coming out all the time, and her album's coming out soon. Actually, I just ch- well, I ch- chatted with her back oh. in September for the VMAs, and I posted a throwback video of it.
4: Cute. Yeah. Good timing. You
5: check it out on my Instagram at the Slay God. Oh, I might do as well it. selfless promote.
4: I mean, that's why we're here. A mm-hmm. bit of it.
5: I mean, no, I think all of it.
4: <laughs> okay. And we're also here to give you some news uh, and entertainment. We're going to be getting into is the internet fueling your desire to rage quit at work? I mean, the viral videos coming out are pretty intense. So we're going to get into that in 30 minutes. Plus, Britney Spears' legal troubles continue. That's in the Tea report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Creators of an app want the name Brianna Taylor to uh, be more than what we, of course, know her story to be around, right? She was a young woman killed by police in Louisville, Kentucky in 2020. Uh, you can actually go to the app to tap on Brianna's garden, and you can see her smile. Um, and just this is a new way to honor her. You hear Mary J. Blige's "Everything," the song Taylor planned to play at her wedding to boyfriend Kenny Walker. It's basically an augmented reality experience to honor Brianna Taylor. I find this an intre- interesting. It's a beautiful thing. Is it a bit? Is it a bit too much? Is it the right way to, that we should be honoring her life?
5: Um, well, I'm not her family, um, but I, I I don't really like it when um, we saw when this was uh, at the center of the news. We saw a lot of people doing a lot of things that I didn't agree with when it came to like promotion around this, and just I, I mean, this seems really beautiful. It seems like an art installation of some sort, so maybe it has good intentions I don't know I gotta check it out more until I can give my full like review definitely. on it but it is beautiful I'm looking at it right now
4: yeah it was on Twitter on NBC News
5: and um, just posted and promoted today so thought we would but also like there's I mean there's so many other ways that you can keep her name alive and her yeah. legacy and who she is alive but this is beautiful as well so,
4: so yeah definitely go check it out uh, just search again Brianna's Garden for that Now, the U.S. Supreme Court has rejected former President Trump's effort to stop the National Archives from giving the January 6th committee hundreds of pages of documents from his time in the White House. So we should be getting that information pretty soon, actually. I wonder what we're going to discover. Well, we'll definitely be covering that right here on Let's Go There, probably on tomorrow's show, to be honest. And finally, the Biden administration will make 400 million N95 masks available to Americans for free starting next week. A White House official told that to CNN. It's latest federal step to rein in the U.S. COVID-19 surge. And the mask will be made available at a number of local pharmacies, community health centers. And it will be fully up and running by early February, which is really important. So good on them for doing that. And, you know, all of it should have done it probably before the holidays, but better now than ever. That was
5: What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God, I have one question. Will the Spears sister drama ever end? Probably not. It's time for the T-Report of those pop culture stories. Trending right now. So let's uh, talk about everything that's happening. Britney Spears continued to blast Jamie Lynn Spears via her Instagram um, literally today, as it seems the pop star is still very furious over her young sister's um call her daddy interview she i guess jamie lynn spears went on this podcast and just keeps talking about britney she reposted a previous post she shared but quickly deleted And when she said she should have slapped both jamie lynn and their mom lynn spears this time however britney added an extended and even more fired up message saying you selfish little brat britney wrote to jamie lynn in the additional notepad rant saying how weird and dumb is it that I had brought a house for mama? She was so proud and you told that interview girl that it was just weird. Um, Britney Spears is also sending a little warning to her sister. In a new cease and desist letter obtained by Rolling Stone, the toxic singer's lawyer, Matthew Rosengard, cautions that Britney will not hesitate to file a lawsuit if her younger sibling keeps talking about her derogatorily during her promotional campaign for her new book. In this quote, they say, "We write with some hesitation because the last thing Britney wants is to bring more attention to your ill-timed book its misleading or outrageous claims about her, although Britney has not read and does not intend to read your book, she and millions of her fans were shocked to see how you have exploited her for monetary gain. This is not stopping, it's only getting started, and it's really sad to see, but I'm still on team Britney. Of course. Why not?
4: I mean, yeah, this just feels like it's never-ending, but (laughs) it makes sense that this would happen. I just no don't know if it's gonna make everyone's life more miserable.
5: I think it's gonna make everyone's life more miserable, but that is your tea report. So we got more coming up next hour. Okay, finally,
4: the topic I've been waiting to talk about. We've all seen the headlines about marijuana stopping COVID. How true is it? We get into that next. Cannabis might help prevent the coronavirus, according to a study published in the Journal of Nature products. Thought you we'd are maybe very have a excited. About I thought we'd this. maybe have like a fun background music for this because Oh, he was ready. I didn't even know. Yeah. Thank you.
5: This song traumatized me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I have a story about really? this Really? Okay.
4: Well, here to share more is a very professional don't don't Dr. Amish Adalda, Senior Scholar, Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Dr. Amesh, welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
4: Sorry, I had to. Okay, Uh, so can you explain what's going on here? If you are a smoker or consume edibles, you're less susceptible to COVID?
0: There's some evidence and some data from in vitro studies looking in the lab that cannabinoid compounds may interfere with the virus's ability to infect. I don't think it's something that's ready for, for prime time quite yet, but I think it's an intriguing study that needs to be confirmed. We'll have to see, you know, if it translates into something that uh, actually has a therapeutic benefit. But uh, it's not something that people should be doing in order to avoid COVID.
5: Yeah, I always wonder when stories come out like this, like how we should really be like taking them in. Because it, it seems like, you know, obviously the media goes for the clickbait of it all. But it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of weight behind this story. No, I think that there's lots of
0: things that are able to interfere with COVID-19 in the lab and and those types of settings, and whether they actually are something that translate into a benefit for people in real life is a different story. And I think that if you're, for example, smoking marijuana, you're going to be smoking a lot of other compounds and chemicals that might increase your susceptibility to respiratory infections because marijuana or any kind of smoke is going to be an irritant to your respiratory tract, which could make you more likely to, to get covid And if you're around people smoking, people exhale more frequently. That might be a a transmission risk as well. So, I don't think this is something that will directly translate into a benefit now. I think it's an area for for more study before it goes before it becomes something that we actually think about as as a real tool for COVID nineteen. However. Something like this is always going to spark headlines.
4: Yeah, and it's interesting they st- they studied these other comp- compounds, CBDa, CBGa, but not THC.
0: Yeah, there's many compounds that are in marijuana that that have um, that have biological activity, and a lot of the interest in some of the, the the compounds has not been the THC. It's been the other cannabinoids that are there. That's what we're seeing when we talk about the use of these these compounds for seizures, for example. So. It's not always what causes the, the psychoactive effects or the psychogenic effects. It may be other compounds that are in marijuana that, that have the immunologic benefit or, or, or other benefits.
4: So now, I mean, does it feel like the surge is kind of over? Are we on the other side of it?
0: It depends on where you live. Clearly, in the Northeast, we've seen peaking in a number of cases in, in terms of like places like New York, uh, Philadelphia, New Jersey even Pittsburgh, where I'm located, we seem to see cases coming down, which I think is expected because in South Africa, we saw that Omicron goes through this week-long cycle, two-week-long cycle or so versus other variants where it was months long. But the rest of the country isn't necessarily on that same time scale. But I do think that this rapid cycling is something that is characteristic of Omicron. The key thing that was getting through that cycle without hospitals collapsing because there are many hospitals that are under stress, and that's going to be the key to get to the other side: is to make sure that hospitals are able to operate as best as they can during this time of surge.
5: Yeah, and with all the conversations around which tests are like you know reliable, especially like the antigen rapid, like the rapid test, um, I, I wonder: is there anything when in the media or anything in the conversation that you feel like is missing that we need to know about when it comes to testing?
0: The thing that I think is missing is that people don't take a step back and ask what question they're asking of the test, and there are two questions you can ask a test to answer for you. One is, am I contagious? And the other is, what am I sick with? For rapid antigen tests, they're very good at answering the question, am I contagious? Am I a threat to others? And they shouldn't be compared to PCR for that, for that type of question. If you're sick, however, and an antigen test is positive, you can that that's, that gives you good information. But if it's negative, you can't stop there. And I think that's where people really falter at understanding how to deploy these tests appropriately because they're not asking what question they want to answer. And if you're sick and your antigen test is negative, you still have to isolate and figure out what you're sick with. Yeah. And that could, be, that could be COVID, that could be influenza, that could be strep throat. You still need to do more work if your antigen test is negative and you have symptoms. But if you're just yeah. an asymptomatic person screening to say, Am I contagious? Can I go to this party? Then I think the antigen test is the correct test to be using, and it. it's perfectly accurate for that.
4: All right. And and just wrapping it up, come to come back to our cannabis discussion, are you worried as a doctor that people are going to take this headline and roll with it? Like, great, I'm a cannabis user. That's why I haven't gotten COVID, or I'm going to keep doing this because I think this is the only way instead of getting a vaccine?
0: Uh, I mean, there always is a concern that people are going to use alternative types of therapeutics instead of getting the vaccine. But marijuana smoking, uh, no matter how good it makes people feel, is not a substitute for the vaccine.
4: OK, Dr. Amesh Adalja, senior scholar at Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Thanks again. Thanks. Can we uh, close with that song?
5: Why, to traumatize me again? <laughs> Do we really have to? Rolling Coming up. What?
4: Is the Internet fueling your desire to rage quit at work?
5: I'm about to. I'm really about to.
1: I quit I quit I quit, and quit, and quit, I quit, I quit I quit I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit I quit quit, oh yeah, you can take this job and you know, you can take this job and you know, oh, my days are mine, my days are mine, my life is mine,
5: oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, so that clip is from this Reddit called the Anti-Work subreddit and it's now one of the most active and engage pages after seeing explosive growth during the pandemic. And it's cr- pretty crazy because now, you know, this subreddit has everyone talking about is the internet to blame for like the great resignation, you know, like mm. all these people kind of rage quitting and 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 putting online that they're quitting and it's also encouraging other people to quit. What do you think about this, Miss Boss? <laughs> Boss of Pants. Miss Boss.
4: Um, No, I do think the internet definitely influences how we view our culture and how we view our lives. And when you see someone going viral, one, a lot of times it's just amplifying what we're all already going through and thinking. And feeling. And feeling. And in in someone else sharing their experience and it working and getting a lot of response, it, if anything, affirms what you feel, right? And then it influences you to be like, yeah, hey, if this person could do it, I could do it, too, and okay. it is a bit of a domino effect of virality in okay, that way. Okay, so, but say what
5: you said when we were on air. But,
4: on the other side, so you asked me one question, <laughs> which is, why do you think this happens? Yes, uh, but now I want to you know, know what you And then there's are. also the idea of attention. People know, like, oh, I'm going to go yeah. viral. But I do think this is becoming a bit obnoxious.
5: Okay.
4: I, I'm i totally down. If you have a sucky job and your boss sucks, Go at it, yeah, but not yeah. every situation is like that. And then I think it's making this idea like all jobs, you know, suck, and this is the way you need, like we need to take a stand for, like ourselves as employees and all that. I don't think people are saying all jobs, like you know what I mean. mean? I but it's like this overall crappy job, yeah. And and I do think true. we should call leaders and bosses forth in that way. But you know, is this really the best
5: way to go about doing it? Yeah, this is a prime example of something that I know I would never do. Um, I just wasn't raised that way and I also was raised on the idea of like I'd never want to burn bridges. It's also and a so, privilege to be able to do something like that and think you to can get what, another... post a video online? <laughs> no. Yeah, I guess if you have access to internet, <laughs> that yeah, that is... is a privilege. No, but to
4: be able to like bash a whole company and your boss and then say, like, okay, peace and I'm gonna either start my own company, you know, or go, jump to another job. I don't
5: job. know if I would necessarily call that a privilege.
4: To um, assume that I after think, doing that, think, you could get another
5: job? I, well, I don't know if that's what they're assuming. Well, well how else are they going to pay for their bills? I, that's none of my <laughs> business. I mean, I don't have to, I don't, I'm not in their life. I'm not their, you know, their, well, their work coach. This, um, the yeah, but, but I think as I, you know, just to finish my yes. talk, um, I, I think... I just would never really want to do something like this. But I also understand why people have found community in these anti-work subreddits because oftentimes they probably feel like they're being gaslit in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I think when you go to a place where you're finding community where similar people have experienced those things, it's actually like a, a sigh of relief where you feel that sense of like, oh, well, I now feel even more encouraged to do this in this way, which doesn't make it right. I'm not saying that I ma- it makes it right. But I think you know communities like this, what Reddits provide is community. And it, it, it does provide similar experiences where they can really take in saying like, oh yeah, I'm not the only one going through this. Clearly the great resignation is happening for a reason. Oh, yeah. And us as a society have to come to terms with what the hell is going on. I, I totally agree. It's not as just simple as having the privilege of putting it on the internet well, and doing that whatever, whatever, whatever you say. It just
4: is a very slippery slope. Like I... I, listen, I'm an internet person. I'm a social media person. I love community online. I love the idea of coming together so you're not alone and connecting on common interests and experiences. There is a slippery slope of being there to share and then you get into the mode where, you know, and it it reminds me like when you have friends that you gossip together and complain about your life together, but then it's like a downward spiral of complaining where now you realize like, All you're doing is complaining constantly. And then you're like, oh, crap. Like, that messes up – that messes with your mind. To get out of that to then finally say, okay, like – I get to take responsibility but for my life. But that's why this like is different, though. My,
5: my life together. I do think that's why this is, in some ways, different because people are complaining about their jobs, but they're actually doing something about well, it. either—I so. mean, it seems like they're quitting. That's the big thing. That's them doing something about it, and then maybe finding somewhere else to go. Who knows? But let us know what you think with these anti-sub anti-work subreddits. Yeah. Are you in them? Is it you know encouraging you to make some changes in your life? Hit us up at LGT Show because we love to keep the conversation it's
4: entertaining not as easy to do it on your own just saying but i do believe we need to have a change that's for
5: sure Yeah, i mean the the big thing is there has to be a conversation on why this is happening in such a large amount totally what's the big like what's actually the problem agreed
4: well next up michael phelps is speaking out about the controversy surrounding ncaa transformer leah thomas what he had to say next Michael Phelps appeared with CNN's Christiane Amanpour last week and gave his thoughts surrounding the controversy of NCAA transformer Leah Thomas.
11: Hello.
5: Well, that's a, a little preview of a clip that's coming up later in the show for our Yes Queen. I'm ex- I mean, it's good. It is.
1: I mean, look, like I, I'll say, you know, I, I can talk from a standpoint of of doping. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've competed in a clean field in my entire career. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think this leads back to the organizing committees again, um, because it has to be a level playing field. I think that's something that, that we all need um, because it's it, like that's what sports are.
4: OK. That's his hot take. But,
5: you know, there's nothing wrong with always saying, I'm not fully educated on the topic. I just don't feel comfortable answering this. There's nothing wrong with admitting that.
4: That is so true. I think almost, yeah, there needs to be some sort of, well, of course, an education around all this. There's a lot of ignorance and and unfortunately there is an assumption if Michael Phelps doesn't have friends or is in a, in a community that's um, within you know the trans or LGBTQ community he might not understand this you would hope that he's informed about this but that is so true and I think when you're in that position where you're being asked something like that a lot of people who might not know um, end up saying something like that but then also you know and we were talking about this there is some homophobia around that but I'm not sure if he was obviously intentional about that.
5: Um, there's no homophobia. I think you you meant transphobia. But I, I oh homie, yeah, transphobia. I think yeah. the interesting thing here is, yeah. Uh, anytime you are relating, and I think a lot of what gets misinterpreted in this conversation, there's insinuating the fact that he was saying that there has to be a clear level field, and then he talks about it comparing it to the the idea of doping. It's it's too. It's it's not even comparable. It's like comparing apples and oranges. And I think Michael Phelps. Um, even if his intention was not to um, to be offensive, I think the conversations that he's probably having in private are offensive and he doesn't really even know how offensive they are, right? I think when you're not educated on something and you're only kind of going off of what people are saying around you and community around yeah. you, that's that's informing the way you're thinking. So if you're thinking someone who is trans is com- competing in a sport that they should be allowed to compete in, in, in all aspects, even on the scientific side of it all, then, you know, that's going to inform how you think, unfortunately. And so, um, I don't know. I just I just really want people to just, you know, he could have literally, like he said on January 13th, when he was talking to CNN saying, it's hard, it's really, it's very complicated, period. That's all Tense. you should have said.
4: The Olympics also have a responsibility here. Like, I think they should be doing trainings or workshops. Bring all your freaking Olympians in, right? And say, we're going to teach you what's going on. We're going to show you. We're going to have you talk to someone in the community. We're going to have you ask questions. Like, have an education around it. I think all of these sports... uh, organizations have a responsibility to do this so there's not that type of misinformation out there.
5: Yeah because it's only harmful and the conversation is really just a Republican talking point to further push anti-trans legislation and anti-trans thoughts And, and at this point um, we, I think the like you said, these sports organizations really have an opportunity here to mm-hmm. educate their players and educate the people around them. So these yeah. questions can stop being asked at this point. True, Th- they feel dated. What what did this what does this woman even have to do with uh, Michael Phipps?
4: Why is she, he? Well, you know, she, why is she? She also knew that's also because well, it has to do with swimming, so it's the same sport. Yeah, but that's like yeah. it's, it
5: still doesn't even feel like that needs to happen. That's a that's a major issue oh. when it comes to journalism and just <laughs> reporting on things, asking people about certain things that don't really even well yeah she, to them. she knew she would get a
4: headline out of it because it has to do with a controversy in the sport and like a headline right now but yeah uh, definitely agree on that well next up another Olympian Adam Rippon has tied the knots we're celebrating an LGBTQ icon next we are wrapping up the show as we always do with our yes queen of the day Yeah. Yes, queen. This one goes to an 11-year-old Texas transgender girl who testified against anti-trans legislation and who's now a finalist for Time's Kid of the Year. Kai Shapley of Austin, I just can't believe it, just had the courage to testify before some horrific people at the Texas Senate committee last April when two bills banning gender-affirming care for young people were under consideration. And one would have even classified providing such care as child abuse. So here she is.
11: Um, I love ballet, math, science, and geology. I spend my free time with my cats, chickens, FaceTiming my friends, and dreaming of when I will finally meet Dolly Parton. I do not like spending my free time asking adults to make good choices. I've been having to explain myself since I was three or four years old, Texas legislators have been attacking me since pre-K. I am in fourth grade now. When it comes to bills that target trans youth, I immediately feel angry. It's been very scary and overwhelming. It just, it makes me sad that some politicians use trans kids like me to get votes from people who hate me just because I exist. God made me. God loves me for who I am, and God does not make mistakes.
5: Kai Shapley, everyone. I mean, I don't think we're as well-spoken no. as she is. Like no. She, it's, it's just really incredible that um, the great strides that she's already made, and, and um, it, it really means something that she's out here speaking and, like she said, using her free time to school adults because we clearly need it.
4: It's sad, but thank you again. We um, are honored to have people like her in the world. And she's definitely like a future leader. She already is one. That's our guest Queen of the Day. Yes. Queen. And that does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow weekdays here on Channel Q2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Live on tomorrow's show. We're going to be having the trans man who was attacked last Friday in Denver while waiting for a train on our show because his story went viral That is tomorrow, as well as, of course, top of the hour headlines and entertainment news. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app and search for Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this.
3: Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,